0: Hi, I'm Joel McMahon, pastor at San Philip United Methodist Church in San Philip, Texas, and it's so good to be with you today. Before we go any further, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we bow before you this day. We thank you for all the different ways that you bless us. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your strength. Uh, Just all the different ways that you bless us, we thank you for them. We just Uh, Thank you for being such a good God and being with us through uh, good times and bad. And Lord, right now, uh, COVID-19 is on the uh, uptick, and uh, so many people are ill right now, and so many people are once more living in fear. And so, Lord, I just pray for everybody that's suffering from this illness, Lord, that's watching right now, that you just touch them with your healing grace and uh, just strengthen them and just bring them through to recovery. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that uh, you would uh, just uh, uh, touch everybody else that's suffering from any other sort of illness. And Lord, there are those also who are uh, just uh, facing other dilemmas and trials in life right now. We pray for them, that you would just meet them exactly at their point of need as they open their hearts before you at this time. Lord, we pray that you would be with us now uh, as uh, we uh, look into your word, and that you would speak to us the message that you would have us here this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, our scripture reading today is found in the Gospel of John, the second chapter. We're going to read the first through the 11th verses. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water parts uh, set uh, there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. Then the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, then, when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this day. I'd like to call your attention, first of all, to uh, the last verse where it says, This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, signs are miracles that confirm the message that God has sent a person to deliver, and it lets them know that he is a messenger sent from God. Now, obviously, the greatest sign in all history is the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because that confirmed everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did, everything he taught, and he makes it clear that this message is for everyone. And this big message is all signed it's all sealed up in John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's good news. And that good news has been sealed with the sign of the resurrection. You see what a sign is? It is a miracle that confirms a message. So, uh, we can see this later on in Acts 2.43. Uh, It says there, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now, an apostle is one who was sent, one who was sent by God. That comes from the word apostello, which means to send. And so, the signs and wonders were taking place through those who were sent by God and confirming their message. So then again in Acts 5.12, it says, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. And then in Romans 15.18, we see, Paul uh, in 1518 and 19, that Paul is uh, explaining that what he has preached has been confirmed by signs and wonders. There he says, beginning in Romans 15:18, "For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So, a sign is a miracle that's given by God to confirm the messenger, and it also tells us about God and a lot about the messenger, and so this first sign that we see in Cana of Galilee tells us a lot about the Lord, and it tells us a a lot about his heavenly Father. Now, we see that his first sign is at a wedding. Now, i performed hundreds of weddings in my lifetime, and one thing is always the same. Everyone wants the wedding to be perfect. No flaws, and every imperfection, every flaw is just exaggerated on wedding day. People plan, they fret, they cry, and all sorts of things. And in spite of trying so hard, since we live in an imperfect world, sometimes things do go wrong. I've seen wedding rings tied so tightly to a pillow that no one could get them loose. And finally, somebody had to pull out a big old lockback knife and cut the rings off of the pillow. I've seen unity candles on many occasions that just wouldn't light. And I remember warning some people one time, pre-light your candles, make sure they'll light. And then somebody got up there and they started trying to light the candle and they couldn't light it because they had pre-lit the candles, but whenever they snuffed them out, they shoved the wick down into the wax and there was nothing that they could light. I've seen cute little flower girls notice that there were flowers still left in their basket when they got to the bridegroom and they had been told, make sure you spread all the petals along the way. So what did the little little, uh, 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 flower girl do? She just turned her basket upside down and dumped whatever was left in there right at the foot of the bride. So I've also seen a a groomsman just pass out from locking his knees in such an amusing way that it wound up making America's Funniest Home Videos. And here, as Jesus attends a wedding where everything you want it to be so right, this is their special day, disaster strikes. They run out of wine and it's going to be so embarrassing for both families and people are going to be upset and it's going to be just exaggerated because this is wedding day. So why it happened? We don't know, but we can identify a lot, uh, with the, the a lot of the possible reasons. It could have been poor planning. It could have been that a delivery hadn't come when it was supposed to. It's like things that happen in a day. I'm still waiting for a Christmas present that my wife ordered. Probably not going to get here to February because of these supply chain shortages. Apparently, they could have had supply chain shortages back there in Cana. It could be that the supplier put the wine on back order because he was having supply chain issues. It could be a lot of unanticipated guests showed up. It could be that the guests just really drank a lot. You could just let your own imagination run wild with all the different reasons why they might have run out. No matter what the case, no matter what, if, and no matter if blame could be pinned on somebody or something, they still ran out of wine, and it was going to be tragically embarrassing. Now, the good thing was that Mary notices this, and she asks Jesus to help. And brothers and sisters, asking Jesus to help makes all the difference in the world as we see here in this passage. I think it's really significant that this first miracle is at a wedding because it reminds us that God really cares about relationships. He cares about your relationships. Since the beginning of time, it's been that way. Uh, remember whenever he was creating everything and he created the man, he put him in the garden, every step along the way he stopped and he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, until he gets up to this last moment and he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. And then he himself performed the first wedding when he presented Adam and Eve to each other, and gave them his blessing, and you know he wanted them to bless each other. Well, later on we see Jesus uh, with the woman at the well. He called her attention to her relationships. Have you ever noticed that? Relationships were important. He knew all about her relationships. He told her, you've had five husbands, and the one that you have now isn't yours. So, Jesus uh as his earthly ministry begins he performs his first sign at a wedding you see god likes marriage he just he didn't just invent it he created it that being the case i want to encourage you do not hesitate to go to the lord if you need help in your marriage he wants you to have the best he cares about you and he cares about your relationships now that's the first thing is uh, it's important that it happened in Cana of Galilee. Uh, next thing I want us to look at, when there's trouble, somebody has to ask. The Lord is willing to help if someone asks. Now, I get the impression, and you can look over this passage again, tell me what you think of it. I'd love to hear, hear back from you what you think about this. But I get the impression from Jesus' response to Mary that if she had not asked him, he would have just gone on about his business and disaster would have hit. But Mary asked. She asked on someone else's behalf and the Lord acted. And this this is so important because it shows how important intercession is, how important it is to pray for other people whenever you see something going wrong in their lives, whenever they need healing, whatever it is, because you see someone has to ask. In fact, Jesus told us. He just made it clear to us in Matthew 7, 7-11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You see, to those who ask him. Now, there are a lot of people that are afraid to ask because they bought into the thing. Oh, you, you better not ask because you might not like what he gives you. The thing is, he makes it clear here. That's a lie. God gives good things to those who ask him. Let me give you another example from the Bible. Jesus, it's in, in uh, Mark four, chapter, chapter four, 38 through 39. We read this account. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. They asked him, Don't you care? He cared. They just needed to ask. And finally they asked, he says on after that, he says, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? And the thing is, our faith is supposed to be in the Lord. If he, if all they had to do was ask, do you see that? They just needed to ask. James, Jesus' brother, puts it very clear in James 4, 2, where he says, you have not because you do not ask. I've seen some people be afraid to ask. I've seen some people be too proud to ask, but he encourages us. It makes, he makes it clear all through scripture, ask. Let me give you a couple of personal examples from my own life that we're supposed to ask a miracle working God, a God who can just calm the storm in your life. Now, this past Monday, storms had been raging in my life. Three weeks before I had a notification in the, in email, I get a, a picture of our mail every day, letting us know what's coming. And I could could see I was getting some sort of a letter from the IRS and I was curious about what it was. And then the mail came and it wasn't there. Everything else that was in that picture was there, but that letter from the IRS wasn't there. I didn't know what it could have been. Uh, no, no idea what at all. Three days later, I asked our postal carrier about it. And the postal carrier said, Oh, I don't know why they do that. Why they even take those pictures. Mail gets all mixed up. It gets out on different days. A lot of times, you know, but that wasn't kind of the answer I was expecting. But anyway, I went to the, the post office site and it said, if you're uh, missing a piece of mail, wait a week before reporting it. So I waited, I waited a week it still didn't come and then i uh, but i and, and still it didn't come and it didn't come and so I could, it just kept nagging at me what could it be could it we have had a check stolen from our mailbox we were supposed to be getting our refund uh, by direct deposit but it hadn't come and so i thought maybe something was wrong and they sent a check and it got stolen was it a notice of an audit Was it a big bill with penalty and interest because maybe I'd overlooked a 1099 or something? I had no idea, and all I could do was wait patiently. I figured if it was something bad, they'd send me a second notice. That's all I could do was just wait. Then while that was going on, my wife and I both came down with COVID-19, and I wound up not able to preach for two Sundays. So my wife and I wound up spending Christmas, our anniversary, and New Year's Day in quarantine. Now, it wasn't all that sad. On Christmas Day, we wound up going on a Zoom meeting that afternoon, and that afternoon we got to see every one of our family members on Zoom. We got to uh, see not just our, our children and uh and some of my, our local, uh, in-laws and stuff like that. But we also had cousins, uh, that were on there from, uh, from Australia and from Chicago. And so I got to see more of my relatives that day and, uh, got texts from a lot of people. And we had just a good, nice, quiet Christmas time. And Christmas is now spread no, out us. over several, several uh, days. Someone is at the Actually, over several months, over several weeks. Let's put it that way. So, we, after that, uh, it, well, it was a blessed time. It wasn't tragic at all, is what I'm trying to say. It was just confinement, feeling bad from being sick, and uncertainty about the IRS. But you see, these storms can build in your life if you let them. One wave can come and then another wave. And just like it said in the story about the people in the boat, the waves were starting to come over in the boat. Now, I knew as a believer that somehow everything was going to be okay. And I would just pray and put it in the Lord's hands and know it was going to be okay. Uh, prayed for healing for myself and for my wife. And next time we went for testing, my wife tested negative but I was still positive. And then this past Monday, I got a negative test result from uh, the last COVID test I took and I was out of quarantine. Later that day, the mail came and there's that missing piece of mail from the IRS. And you know, it was nothing at all. It was nothing. And in one day, in just a few moments, things that had been just confining me, and nagging at me. And there was uncertainty. It was all over just like that. And if you're going through something tough, let me tell you, the Lord cares and he wants you to bring it to him and ask for his help. And then all of a sudden, it's just like on a rainy day, the clouds just break. And what was so bad, is just like a bad dream behind you because the Lord cares about you and he's a miracle working God, and he wants to help you with whatever storm you have in your life. I was reminded of one later uh, this week, this past week, this past Friday. Uh, i had been sent to a cardiologist. They'd done a couple of tests that came back just fine, but there was one little thing they wanted to check, so they did a, a stress test on me. And the thing that came out of the stress test was something that I knew it, it had shown up. Uh, several times before. I have one little scar on my heart. It seems that about 23 years ago I had a heart attack and I can remember exactly when it happened. I was driving down a freeway on the inside lane during rush hour traffic and as I was driving along all of a sudden it was just like a bolt of lightning, just like a big bolt of electricity hit me right in my chest, and just went through all my arms and up through my head, and all of a sudden, it was all I could do to keep control of the car and to concentrate on getting the car to an outside lane safely. I was just on the verge of passing out, and I was just praying, Lord, please help me to get to the side of the road so that nobody else gets killed. I'm ready but please, I don't want to hurt anybody else. And I just worked over to the outside lane. As I got in the outside lane, all of a sudden it all lifted. And all of a sudden I could breathe better. My head was clear. I had more strength than I'd had before. And it was all over. And what the cardiologist told me this just last Friday, he said, there's a little scar there it appears it's been there a long time. Do you know when this happened? And I explained it to him and he said, well, it's nothing now. Blood vessels have rebuilt around that place. Your heart is fully supplied with blood. There's no blockage to your heart. Everything is just fine and it's functioning properly. The Lord healed me as I cried out to him. And I think that he left that little scar just to remind me of his glory and to give him glory for what he did for me that day when I cried out to him. And now I'm healthier than you could ever imagine. Now, one last thing I want to show you is that this miracle happened very quietly, very quietly. You know, I I didn't go to the doctor or anything after that because I didn't need to. Everything was fine. I told my wife about it, but that was about it. But nothing else was done about it. It was just a very natural thing. I had a bad moment, and then I was okay. Uh, So, But it just happened very quietly, and then it was over. You know, we can't really tell exactly when the change took place in this miracle that happened in Cana at Galilee. We don't, don't know exactly the moment, when the water became wine. We just know that it happened between the filling of the pots with water and pouring it into the head waiter's cup. Now, these, I was just looking at this, these these pots, they're calling them, were about 25 gallons. They were just a little bit smaller. You could probably call them the size of, a, of two 55-gallon drums. So, that's like 500 like 10 55 gallon drums full of water that these guys had in these pots. That's a lot of water. And that water became a lot of wine, didn't it? Not just wine, but good wine. And somewhere between the filling of all those pots and the pouring into the head waiter's cup, somewhere along the way, as they acted in obedience, like Mary told them to do, they said, just do what he tells you to do. A miraculous change took place. Water, something useful, but ordinary and flat compared to wine, became something very special, very vibrant and wonderful. Now, you know, I have watched miracles take place just in the twinkling of an eye. I've watched legs uh, lengthen right as I was praying and watching. I've seen feet grow to the right size right in front of me as I prayed. I've seen rashes on skin just disappear and it go away just as naturally, just like watching a time-lapse photo of the skin just heal. In each instance, the miraculous seemed like the most natural thing in the world as it happened. So let me ask you this. Are there any disasters going on in your life? Any storms tossing about? Maybe the waves of life are starting to just come into your little boat of life right now. Any relationships that just aren't what they should be? Has your relationship or your life for that matter become flat, just like plain water? God loves to use disasters, storms, and the ordinary things of life to glorify himself. And he delights in doing so. He delights in blessing his children. Let me give you one other example, or just an example of how this works. If your marriage is in trouble, or it's not what it should be, here's what you need to do. First of all, we saw this. You need to pray about it. You need to ask. You need to bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, my marriage isn't what it should be. And then quit seeking your will and start seeking his. Ask him, find out what he wants you to do. And I'll tell you, the place to start when it comes to a marriage that isn't what it's supposed to be is Ephesians 5:22 uh, through 33. Here, the Lord lines out what the relationship between a husband and a wife should be like And he makes it clear what the husband needs to be doing and what the wife needs to be doing. And to sum it all up, uh, it's like this. Wives should entrust themselves to their husbands and convey to their husbands that they have faith in them to take care of them. Husbands, on the other hand, are to love their wives just like Christ loved the church. And do you know what Jesus did for the church? He went to the cross and died for her there. Husbands should be willing to die for their wives and to demonstrate that with their actions. Both husband and wife should be exploring each other and paying attention to what the other person feels that they need to be complete in their life. And yet, I run across so many people that just keep demanding things from the other person. Instead of demanding from them, Start exploring them, find out what's important to them. And then to the best of your ability, give them what they feel that they need to be complete. And do it if you can, even before they have to ask. If both people will be doing that, they'll find that miraculously, their relationship is going to change. And it's gonna be a natural, gradual, wonderful thing and one day they're going to look back and ask themselves, why couldn't we have loved each other like this so much earlier in our marriage? You see, as you start giving what the other person needs, and try to, instead of trying to get your own needs met by that other person, your relationship is going to transform in a marvelous way. And the water of your life is going to change to wine somewhere there, in the serving. Now, if the other person isn't open to this, you could just start doing it yourself. You obey what the Lord has told you to do as a husband. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. Or do what the Lord has told you to do as a wife. Entrust yourself to your husband. Respect your husband. And if you convey these things to each other, if just one side starts doing this, your relationship is going to begin to change for the better because, you see, changed people change people. As you work on yourself and start doing this for them, they're going to have to start behaving differently. As you give, you'll find out that the Lord means what he says when he says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, shaken down, pressed together, and running over. But it's only going to happen when you ask the Lord to get involved and then do what he says to do. So, are there any disasters brewing in your life? Is something on the horizon that's really, really troublesome? Are there any storms going on in your life right now and it seems like Jesus is just asleep in the boat? We serve a miracle-working God that loves you and cares about every aspect of your life and through what we read today and what we read all through the Bible, he makes it clear that we're to do exactly what we see here that's done in Cana of Galilee. Ask the Lord for his help, and then ask him, Lord, what would you have me do? And then as you serve, as you do what the Lord wants you to do, a miracle is going to happen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you today for reminding us that you are a miracle-working God because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you ask the same things of us today that uh, we see uh, being explained and shown to people way back then when you were alive. And so if we have been trying to handle something that, that's troublesome on our own, if there's a disaster coming in our lives, Lord, we just pause right now and we bring it before you. And Lord, I just pray that everyone who, uh, has storms in their lives, everyone who's facing illness, financial storms, relationship storms, uh, problems with children, problems with, uh, uh, other people, problems at job, no matter where the trouble is, what, no matter what illness they're facing, oh God, I pray that as they lift their burden to you now and present it to you and ask you to help them with it, that you will move in their lives and glorify yourself and show them that you truly are the one true God. I encourage each one of you just right now to say, Lord, I need your help with this in my life and name what it is. And then just say, Lord, I give it to you now. And I just ask you to guide me and direct me and show me what you should do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been so good to be with you today. And uh, I uh, uh, hope that uh, we can see each other in church again this next Sunday. Uh, If not, We'll see you here on the podcast. Bye-bye and God bless.